Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Cale Guthrie Weissman, the editor of Modern Retail, and I'm joined today with John Burke, who's the Global Chief Marketing Officer of Bacardi, as well as the president of Bacardi Global Brands Limited. Um, I'm really excited to just dig into all the changes that uh, that specifically the spirits industry has faced over the last few months and how uh, you're going about, you know, leading the brand, thinking about the brand, and and when necessary, changing the brand. And so how's it going, John? Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cale. Uh, Yeah, great to be here. So, um, I mean, it's been quite a a roller coaster. Uh, (laughs) Let me let me give you a little bit of an insight. So, I mean, right way back at the uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we're we're a global business. So we obviously benefited from being able to get some uh, quite hot intel from our uh, operations in China. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we laid out uh, early on a four-stage reaction plan, um, which had, you know, first stage was react to consumers' immediate needs. Uh, second stage was to support them through confinement. Uh, and then we, um, we're now we kind of forecast the third stage, which was emerge together. And then the final stage, which was, you know, freedom back to the new normality. Um, and we created then uh, programming against each of those uh, each of those distinctive phases. Um, mm-hmm. What what took us by surprise was how quickly the world went to lockdown, um, which you know we we'd kind of planned out you know a, a, a several several weeks several months kind of uh, you know looking for signals and so on, and and it happened pretty much everywhere within about two and a half weeks. It was a uh, it was quite a dramatic shift. Wow. And so, um, so yeah, that was, um, that was the first, uh, uh, thing that we had to do was just try and kind of react to the situation and understand where our consumers were and how we could best support them. Um, and practically that led to two initiatives. We switched all of our distilleries, uh, to be producing uh, hand sanitizer, um, mm. to provide to frontline, um, workers, uh, particularly in healthcare and, um, you know, working with people like ambulance stations and so on. Um, and then the second area was uh, to help the industry we we're in. We, and we launched a, a, a campaign called Raise Your Spirits, where we uh, effectively provided an immediate help uh, to our trade partners. And then on from that, uh, provided ongoing assistance in helping them recover their businesses uh, as we exited lockdown. Because, uh, you know, it's obviously a key uh, part of what we can do as a bigger company is to to help the smaller companies that ultimately make up our industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, just when the changes first started happening and you were realizing you needed to shift your programming, this might be a weird question, but which came first, the overall strategy plan that these were the four phases or did the programming ideas come first and then you were like, oh, here's the overall strategy by which we're going to sort of graft these first ad hoc and now bigger programs to, to what we're doing going forward? Was it just sort of you realized what you need to do, made a quick shift and then created an overall strategy for it? Or was it that you you then you realized what the four buckets were, how things were going to change and then did the planning after that? No, we had the we had the four stages done in advance. Um, mm-hmm. we, we were taken a bit aback by how quickly things uh, changed. But you know, we, we not only looked at what happened in um, in China, um, you know, as they were first experiencing COVID, but we went back to SARS. Um, mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of uh, published material on on how the SARS epidemic uh, unfolded, um, and then we also had a look at some broader you know, response to crisis type, um, type, uh, documents. And, and out of that, um, you know, figured out 
more or less the strategy that we we ultimately ended up in following. Um, at the beginning, uh, I think it was it was quite a leadership challenge, really, because you know everybody was looking to me and to mm-hmm. to my team about you know what should we do, um, and so we we briefed with full confidence something that we didn't have a lot of confidence in, <laughs> um, but, but as as it turned out, it proved to be uh, the right thing. I mean, the, the key was, I mean, we, we, we took a decision early on that you have to speak with an authentic voice from your brand. So if your brand was a caregiving brand at the time when consumer needed, consumers needed care, you were, you were in the right spot to offer that advice and guidance. You know, a lot of our brands are not about caregiving. So, um, so we need to have an authentic voice and, and to be there for them when they really needed us. Um, you know, which is, you know, when we were, in the lockdown, you know, our job was to support our consumers by, you know, some really practical things like um, we ran a program on, on Bacardi Rum where we said it's covered cocktails. So we got some of the best mixologists in the industry to help people figure out what they could make with things that they already had in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big need that uh, that consumers had. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we also saw um, quite a lot of um, uh, kind of, fatigue and boredom about being being in lockdown uh, and so we pivoted uh, Bombay Sapphire from we had this um, campaign around stir creativity and we pivoted to create from home and we provided a lot of practical resources uh, to help people you know make the best of their situation so you know if you were a creatively minded person trapped at home then you wanted to have stimulation so we created a virtual uh, art gallery uh, with um uh, with a couple of our providers, um, mm. we we also uh, provided resources uh, to learn a new skill. Uh, we we also helped people uh, to come and and join us for a drink and draw session. Um, <laughs> so it's just you know ways to 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 get out of um, out of the situation and, and escape mentally to a better place. And and that was something that we could do just to help people socialize virtually. Absolutely. Can you talk a little about? So I know that you that Bacardi has done in-person, you know, for lack of a better word, experiential kinds of programmings like that. How did you go about doing this on the digital side? And I know that over the years, you focused a great deal on uh, on reporting and understanding what works and what doesn't and doing a very data-informed analysis. So when you're doing all of this digitally, when you're asking people to join a Zoom or something else online that's different than many other campaigns you've done in the past, how did you how did you look at what was successful and what wasn't? Um, probably the best example of, uh, of that was, uh, what we did, uh, in India. Um, so we have a long running, uh, you know, it's been running for 10 years, uh, property, uh, called the NH7 Weekender. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, we weren't able to run the NH7 Weekender because of lockdown. Um, so we moved the whole of the programming. So this is 60 artists over two weekends. We moved to an online, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we achieved 10 times the audience reach that we did in, you know, typically with the in, in, in person, uh, event that we would have normally run. Um, and, you know, terrific learning, uh, about how, how to go forward. So even to the point where, you know, we think virtual experiences are going to be a much bigger part of our play going forward. Um, and, and then you use all of the digital metrics that you have about, you know, how people are engaging with the programming. Uh, you know the reach uh, and the and some of the softer measures as well around you know the level of engagement and and what people were talking about. So um, it was a, a, an amazing experience. We probably wouldn't have had the confidence to do it uh, without coronavirus. 
Uh, and the fact that we were forced into making the decision, you know, meant that, you know, we had to had to move to 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 that reality. So it was it was, uh, you know, it was a, a learning opportunity. I think we did well to to shift to it. Um, but it's a learning opportunity that will you know change the way we do business going forward. Can you let's go? I would love to hear a little bit more about that, because I feel like a lot of brands, both big and small, are trying to figure out the way that they can go about digital programming like that. Uh, do you find that what you've done with Bacardi has worked at the same, let's say, scale of of the programs you were doing before? Are they a little bit smaller? Are they a little bit bigger? How have you how have you been able to sort of translate what you knew worked before into these new programs? And and then the, after you answer that, what will you keep when things reopen and you can do things in person? You say that you want to that this will be a, a greater part of your program. How, what do you think will stick in the the more permanent playbook? Um, well, I guess that the the, uh, the the shift that we've seen is, um, you know, pre-COVID, uh, we saw certain things trending. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then as a result of uh, the pandemic, we've really seen a lot of those trends amplify and accelerate. Uh, it's probably the easiest way of describing it. So if I use another example, maybe, um, you know, w- when you look at um, uh, spirits uh, in e-commerce, I mean, that was really, for us, a very underdeveloped segment and not a lot of consumers had ever purchased via e-commerce channels. Uh, and in the last three months, we've probably seen two years development take place in, in <laughs> two months. I mean, the, the number of people who've had their first e-commerce experience of buying uh, liquor online is is huge. And now that, that creates for us a permanent uh, you know, change in our industry structure. Uh, and it's something that would have happened, I think, anyway, uh, but because of coronavirus, it's something that's just been massively amplified. Mm-hmm. Uh, another big trend that's affected us um, is this, um, uh, you know, the, the, the whole trend towards wellness. You mm-hmm. know, drink less, drink better is uh, one of the ways it was manifest. Uh, also, the, um, you know, the desire to, you know, drink less spirits and seek um, lower alcohol or no alcohol solutions. Um, and uh, and again, that's that's a trend that we expect to see massively amplified so we had a in europe we had a product on test which was a a martini zero alcohol uh, aperitif uh, product Um, and the moment that we saw the trends uh coming through uh, which we translated it into a a much much bigger launch program and it's it's really born fruit i mean we'll we'll deliver despite the disruption in the industry we'll deliver ahead of target uh, for this year on that innovation uh, because the the context changed um, so wow. people were looking for different solutions in in the situation that we're in. So can you? Um, oh yeah. Bit of it was luck, if I'm honest, uh, because we happened to be ready. Um, but you know, but we were able to hear what was going on and and, and make the change. So can let's go a little bit into the e-com space because uh, at Modern Retail we've written a, a fair amount about the, the acceleration and shift to platforms like Drizzly, etc. Did, how did you approach that? Have you? How have you been? How have you been sort of dealing with these new platforms? I feel like a lot of them are still, they're growing, but they're still in the startup space or phase of, of growth. And then, so was this just, did you put more of your marketing dollars into the platforms? How did you work with them? And are you looking into whether or not these behaviors are sticky? Like the moment people can come back to liquor stores, I imagine they likely will. And some people will stick with a platform, but it's it's unclear just how how big this growth will be in the long term. So how are you thinking about that uh, from the, the perspective of a spirits brand? Yeah, so um, 
we we put a lot of effort in the last twelve months into standing up a um, a Marcom stack that could properly service um, into uh, into ecom. Um, I would say two years ago our virtual shelf was lousy uh, and it had a, a, not a lot of focus within the organization because it wasn't a significant channel. Um, and we put in place a, a marketing content uh, hub. Uh, and then populated it with, you know, search optimized content and, um, uh, you know, in a way that we could professionalize the way that we served, uh, the channel. Um, the moment we saw the rise of ecom, we were able to switch a lot of focus into, you know, producing content specifically for the channel, you know, to really start to market on the channel. And as you know, you get this kind of fantastic feedback loop with, um, with e-commerce. So you can develop your business in real time. Um, and so. It, we just found it uh, a much more compelling place to invest. So we stepped up significantly the amount of money we're investing in, in, in displaying our brands and uh, in, in, in uh, specific um, e-com marketing activities. Uh, and so that was a big, big focus. Um, we, we'd set up a, a, an internal team as well, uh, which was you know very focused on you know, bringing in specialists. And, and we, again, just amplified the amount of uh, time, attention, and resourcing that we were putting behind it. So we were we surprised ourselves about how quickly we were able to move in an agile way to you know what was emerging. Um, I think the there the will be a a kind of a normal level of um, econ penetration that I think will exist within our business. I think prior to COVID, it was an abnormally low level. Um, whether it sustains at the levels that we've seen in, in the markets that we've been marketing in, I, I'm not sure, but we definitely know it's going to be significantly bigger than what it was before we came in. Uh, and also it gives us an opportunity to do, you know, much more joined up marketing, uh, so that we can, you know, really, uh, drive the consumer journeys that go into e-com and through e-com. Um, so, you know, big, big, big opportunities. So for, for example, for the first time we did, um, some live malt whiskey tastings with Amazon in Europe, where we were able to sell in a um, a special pack of um, of miniature bottles, uh, and then people could meet our master distiller Stephanie McLeod at the distillery uh, and be able to sample uh, the products that they purchased through Amazon and get a full kind of tasting demonstration and so on. You know, for, for whiskey fans, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And again, we we did that. You know, just because of uh, seeing what was going on and the opportunities that it presented to us, so wow. I think you, you just when you learn something, you can't unlearn it, and I think that's probably the big change on our business. You you've you've done a lot of work with these you know ecom platform partners. Have you ever thought about building your own more DTC way of of you know connecting with customers and potentially selling to them? We uh, I'd say we have some. Um, uh, infant steps uh, in that area. So we we operate. Uh, each of our distilleries has a brand home where we invite consumers to um, uh, to come to you know see how we make our products. Um, so a good example is you know the Bombay Sapphire brand home in Hampshire. You know when mm -hmm. when COVID happened to protect the production operation, we had to you know shut down for you know bring in visitors, um, and so we got the team to work on a DTC platform. Um, and they were able to uh, market directly from the distillery, uh, and uh, and you know deliver deliver directly to consumers. So wow. you know that was a fantastic uh, example of the team kind of moving forward in a in quite an agile way. 
Uh, and as a result, we're looking at, um, uh, you know, more uh, DTC operations. I think it's for us, it will probably always be a supplement um, to, you know, what our e-com partners can provide. But where we have limited edition type products, it's a great mm-hmm. way of us presenting them to consumers uh, and giving them, a, you know, a more enriched experience. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's been I, 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 my head's still spinning, uh, honestly, <laughs> from everything that we've learned. Um, I think at some point we're going to stop learning. We're going to have to stand back and consolidate everything <laughs> and work out <laughs> what we're going to do. But it's been, uh, I mean, my, my team and, and the commercial team have been incredibly resourceful and agile in reacting to the situation and, uh, and you know, coming forward with new ideas. So, you know, a ton of experimentation going on. So we just need to figure out uh, at the end of this, what what are we going to keep and what are we going to leave behind? Mm-hmm. What with all of the resources you funneled into online and ecom as a result of so many channels and just stores closing, was the volume there? Were you able to make up a fair amount of the business that would have been lost because bars were closed and things like that? Or how have you been able to sort of look at with that sort of makeup? Because I imagine that wholesale and those those bigger channels that just shut off overnight make a, a big chunk of Bacardi's business. Yeah, so I think in principle, it was important to think about what's changing and what's staying the same. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and part of the way we did that was to um, switch from thinking about marketing and channels to thinking about marketing to occasions. Uh, mm-hmm. which very much fits with, you know, more advanced thinking around journey planning. Um, so we were, that, that was a, that was a, a, a good change to make. The other thing we did was, um, you know, typically we would have a, a finger on the pulse of the consumer, uh, listening to, you know, what was going on. Uh, but you know, the, the pulse beat was relatively slow because, you know, things were, weren't changing a lot. Um, when we saw the amount of change we were going through, we stepped up to a, uh, a weekly poll and and a daily uh, social listening uh, program, uh, and out of that we produced a ton of insights. Um, and so the insights that we learned allowed us to make much better decisions much much more quickly. Uh, and I think you know that that's uh, that's something that I think you know that that will probably be an area that we would probably continue with is the the agility that it gave us as as things became very fluid. We were able to react very very quickly. Absolutely. That I want to hear more. And you mentioned this a little bit with the martini non-alcoholic, but I know that you and the Bacardi team do a lot of uh, sort of, I I guess, maybe small scales, the right word, but, you know, experiments looking into incubation brands, smaller things and see how they would work. How has that changed in terms of new products? Like, I imagine when the business world changed, it was difficult to be able to think about investing in a small thing that may or may not become big. Now that things are more or less I don't know if normalizing is the right word, but we've been living with, through this for a few months now. How are you thinking about the smaller scale products with mo- more incubated brands or smaller ideas? Um, well, we have, um, for, for us, uh, we build our kind of craft incubation brands over over a long period of time. So f- for us, this has been a, uh, a, a progressive, um, you know, build. Uh, we, 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 Target trending long-term segments, uh, mm-hmm. and then build positions within those you know long-term trending segments. So, Angels Envy is a great example. You know where we partnered with um, with the founder. You know we we built that business out. We helped them build the distillery, um, and have been consistently investing in that business. 
And that's really, really coming uh, to scale right now. And that's as a result of very slow, consistent, deliberate brand building efforts um, working, you know, with a, you know, with 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 us with the founders, I say. So, so that's a model that we we follow in the kind of incubation business. So, I don't think, I mean, it, for for us in 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 that world, incubation of incubation, the uh, coronavirus is more of a a bump in the road than than a detour. Um, but when I, we think about um, consumer trends that have been, you know, affected by, you know, what's going on. I'll give you a good example. So um, this summer, uh, there'll be a lot more drinking out of home, you know, mm-hmm. because people feel much more uh, comfortable about social distancing out of home. Um, and we predicted that trend back in early April. Um, and we've switched to producing quite a lot of our brands into uh, ready to drink uh, packaging. So typically in the US, it'd be uh, cans, uh, registering cans, and that's suddenly become the fastest growing segment in the industry because people want to have, you know, single serve. They want to have it safe. Uh, they want to have it, um, you know, outdoors, uh, convenience. So, you know, all of those trends that were driving that we were able to react to. And um, we're now starting to talk about what happens when the on-premise reopens. Certain on-premise outlets may also want to offer a ready drink, ready to drink solution, uh, mm-hmm. in order to provide drinks to table more efficiently. Um, and so, again, we're thinking about how to might we pivot towards towards that as a as an opening up trend. So, um, so there's quite a lot of listening uh, and and responding. But when it comes to the long term strategic plays, I think they're they're you know uh, progressively built slowly over time uh, with a with a long term vision. I was reading an earlier article while while preparing for this. I think it was in, from February, and it was talking about how you were looking into or you were launching an Alexa skill, and were playing around with uh, things like ASMR. I, I'm interested just to know what are what are sort of the experiential marketing things you're doing beyond, say, the the e-commerce platforms. Are there any new areas that you've been thinking about delving into that have have gotten less press recently, or, or are you just sort of testing and seeing and going from there yeah i mean asmr we uh, we did a um in fact it was a, a campaign for bacardi uh, called the sound of rum um mm-hmm. and uh, and that was a fantastically experiential piece of advertising um that was you know it was a great thing to have done and we still we, we you know we'll continue to use that it's a really great asset um the alexa skills um i think it's an area that we probably put on the back burner so we did some great work on patron uh, on Alexa skill development, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's an area that you know I think we need to go back and uh, and pick up again. It's not been front and center in the last uh, three months in terms of you know development. It feels like it's you know the whole voice area is something that's definitely going to happen, um, mm-hmm. but it's um, it, it, I don't know whether it's been happening as much uh, for us in the last uh, last few months. It's uh, it's been one of the things that we've probably put on hold. Absolutely. Uh, I was reading this blog post that you wrote earlier this month just about how you're you're thinking about the overall brand positioning of Bacardi. And I thought it was a really interesting post. And there was one thing that you wrote that I liked, and I want you to just sort of get into it if you wanted to now, um, about how a lot of places are talking about the the new normal and what needs to change. And uh, But you're thinking a lot more about figuring out what's stayed the same. Can you just sort of give a little... I feel like that's a really important point, especially for leaders of brands, how there's a lot of focus on the tumult and not necessarily on what can and should and remain steady. Can you talk just a little about sort of what you were trying to say with that and the overall thought behind the overall post? Yeah, so 
Um, you know, quite a lot of people ask the question, you know, that COVID's going to change everything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and we think that the new normal will be quite a lot like the old normal, but with some new flavor. Um, and um, what we mean by that is um, there were certainly things like wellness, like the environment, which will definitely be amplified by the experience of coronavirus. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're working on and we've accelerated our environmental uh, programming work. Uh, and they're both born out of this greater sense of care uh, and community that we think is um, is going to definitely change uh, the way that the world works uh, going forward. So so that's an area that we think is, is, is going to be amplified by coronavirus. There's some other things that will change, like, you know, if we're all working from home a lot more, then suddenly bars and restaurants that are close to where you live are going to become much more important in your life than bars and restaurants that you used to go to in the center of the city if you're traveling there less often. Um, and so, you know, that will inevitably sh- change the shape of our uh, our industry. And, and that's going to be important for us to think about how we support our our partners in, in that kind of way. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the fundamentals about a brand uh, won't change. So, you know, it's really important to have a good sense of who you are and a good sense of your brand positioning uh, and to speak with your own authentic voice. Um, if you try and become what you think people want you to become, uh, by, the, by the time you become that new thing, the world will have moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have to be consistent uh, with what, you're, what you've always believed in and what you've always presented to consumers and then look for the opportunity uh, in the um, in in the context, so I, I, li- I like the phrase. You know, coronavirus was initially the frame, um, which you know everybody was initially the picture. Sorry, that everybody reacted to, and then it became the frame. It became the context, and when you see it for that in that way, um, it it frames what you're doing, but it doesn't change what you're doing. It just makes you empathetic to the situation that you're in. Absolutely. With that sort of in mind, given that it's pretty impossible to forecast because of the drastic changes that are happening in terms of the rate at which reopens will happen, whether or not those reopenings will be successful. How do you approach that from both like as a, you know, someone who's leading a company, but also who's trying to facilitate marketing campaigns that are, that are meeting the consumers. It seems like this is a very uncharted territory in terms of understanding where people will be and what their mental and psychological state will be at how how are you approaching that like fluctuation and uncertain and uncertainty yeah i mean a big part is listening so you know the polling that we're doing now um you know that there is no one trend in fact in how people are reacting people are reacting in different ways um and there are some people who are very self-confident and think that the whole thing is you know doesn't really isn't ever going to affect them other people are deeply deeply concerned and and uh, Mm -hmm. other people are somewhere in the middle you know, going between I'm concerned, I'm not concerned, I'm concerned, I'm not concerned. You know, there's kind of the, this <laughs> this really tricky position that people find themselves in. So I, I think it's important to listen. It's also important to try and serve each of those groups individually uh, and support them uh, in ways that we can. Um, and you know, as things evolve, I think it will be it will it will we're actively watching what's trending. Um, and I think that's for me that's a a key part of um, of how we now set up and, and how we're looking at, at reacting. Uh, I think, um, as I said earlier, I think we have a much higher level of agility and poise uh, within the organization. 
Um, and I think that that's going to be important in in dictating how we react. I mean, whether there's a, a you know second lockdown and and what might happen, uh, it's very very difficult to say. But I, f- I certainly feel like we're much better prepared for it now, having lived through what we've lived through in the last three months than we were when the whole thing started. I think we feel like we've got a better handle on the kind of things that we can do that might be helpful um, to consumers. So I think yeah, we're, we're learning as we go. Absolutely. What are the the sort of goals or benchmarks you have for for the both the company and the brands over the next few months to the end of the year? Um, overall, I think we determine winning as um, you know winning market share and coming out stronger. Um, but you know the environment is is it, it's di- just plain difficult to work in. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we, we shot a, an ad for Bacardi called uh, Roommates uh, during the middle of lockdown in New York City. Um, and to film the ad, we had to be socially distanced from the cast. So we um, we set up a, a bunch of vans down at street level and then, you know, four flights up. We had three people, you know, who were going to appear in the ad. Uh, one of which we were teaching how to use the camera and use sound recording and uh, and the three flatmates did the set dressing themselves and their own makeup and uh, wardrobe and you know the whole thing was directed via zoom uh, and it was wow. unbelievable as an experience <laughs> i can imagine i've just reviewed a a, a a shoot that we're planning you know in in a few weeks and the whole uh, set of socially distancing risk assessment i mean the whole thing is it's just another another world of complexity. So, uh, so we, we it it just makes it makes what was uh, previously relatively straightforward and within your direct experience uh, quite challenging uh, to try and just try and get simple things done, uh, and let alone the rapidly changing environment within which we're working. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all the time we have, John. This has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Kale, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, join us next time for the Modern Retail Podcast.